Good morning. Good morning. Worship has been fun today. Have you enjoyed yourself? Good, 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 good. Uh, I've just been talking to George the last couple of days. He got in on Friday night, and uh, I've been telling him about Cornerstone, telling him what uh, we're about, the things that we, we do. I've been telling him uh, about you, and he was so excited for Sunday to get here. He couldn't wait for Sunday to get here. And then yesterday, um, we came over here to just, he wanted to see the, the facility, so we came over and then uh, called Kendall, and Kendall came down a little early, and we started uh, rehearsing a little bit. And then as those who are, are helping with the, uh, the Christmas play tonight began to arrive, George got to meet, uh, meet some of those folks. He just kept saying how great he, you know, the feeling he gets from Cornerstone. He hadn't even attended worship yet. And then he said something that I thought was really profound and really awesome, and I think that you will really like this. He said, Cornerstone is the place that everybody needs to visit on their way to heaven. <laughs> How do you like that? <laughs> yeah. Cornerstone is the place that everybody needs to visit on their way to heaven. I mean, if you've got to go through Atlanta to get to hell... You might as well come to Cornerstone before you go to heaven. Am I right? Am I right? So that's, uh, that's what he said, and I, I love that. And uh, well, you know, that, if, if you're going to tweet something or put something on Facebook, that's what, not the hell part, but the heaven part. <laughs> Forget the hell part. Put the, you know, put the, uh, put, the, uh, put the heaven part. Now, since George is here, I'll go ahead and say this. You know, whenever I would talk to him, I'd be going to preach somewhere, going to speak somewhere. He'd say, all right, doctor, you preached the hell out of them. And they just give me that encouragement to go and, uh, and preach. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, we've both been in ministry. We met in, we met in school. Uh, I knew who he was before he knew who I was because, I mean, I remember growing up watching this guy on stage do what he just did here a few minutes ago. And, you know, as a, as a kid, I was just, just mesmerized. I wanted to meet him. And we went to college. And in, in Florence, Alabama, of all places, here was George G., I couldn't believe it, and I was, I was like, are you the George G., are you like the singer George G., and he said, yeah, I am, and so it kind of started that way, and uh, with a lot of details left out, we ended up putting a group together, and we were out singing for a, a couple of years, and it was just, uh, it was a great time, it was a great time in my life, great time in my ministry, and uh, you know, George and I have been uh, dear friends uh, since then, you know, he's, he is, he's my brother, he's my uh, he's my uh, compadre in ministry, you know. I mean, it's just, uh, just, just love him dearly. And I, I kept telling him, uh, I kept telling him, I was like, listen, Cornerstone, they're going to love you. They're going to love you, and you're going to love them, and it's just going to be a, a great day, and it has been a great day. And I got more good news for you. He's going to be here tonight for the banquet. Yes, for the banquet, and uh, he and I have got a song we were working on yesterday. It's one that we used to do with Crosswalk. It's one that my brother and another one of our group members wrote, and uh, we set it to the piano and the guitar, and so we're going to have that tonight, and it's, it's, it's going to be a worship anthem, and we're going to close the night out with that tonight. I think you will really like it. That song is called I Wonder, and I think you'll really, really like it. Now then, in all the excitement, I skipped all the announcements. 
So let me make some of those real quick. Tonight is the Christmas banquet. Okay? Now then, don't leave as soon as we're done in here because we, gotta, we can't have a Christmas banquet in our current condition. We need to break the chairs up. We need to pull the tables out. So if you didn't make it to the gym today, you can get your workout in by doing that. You can help us set the tables up and the chairs. You know it only takes us about, uh, about 10 minutes or so, and we'll get that decorated. Also, our kids are going to be performing a skit tonight. Uh, I don't even have to tell you to encourage them because I know you will, but I'm grateful for, uh, for the Hubbards and everybody that has been, been helping with that. The teams are involved. They've been building sets and props and all of that stuff. And Kendall working with them on the music. You know, he's been working with them a lot, so it's just good. We've got a lot of people involved. That's what I love about Cornerstone. We have a lot of people involved. You know, don't you love that? I love that. We have a lot of people involved. But here's the thing. We need more people involved. So if you can help in any way, uh, let us know. Now, I've got to figure out, after all this, what we've done, I've got to better figure out what I'm going to preach on. <laughs> so, uh, but it's, uh, it's, been, it's been so good to, uh, to, have, uh, to have George here uh, and, and to worship with us. And, you know, I mean, you heard Kendall. His voice is, is gone, okay? And, and that's what George told him when we were rehearsing. He said, you sing your voice out of your body. Just give it all to God. And, uh, you know, that's what he's done. I think that's what we have uh, we've done here together. You can hear I'm, I'm raspy. You know, I'm not used to, uh, to, to singing like that. It's been a long time since, uh, since we were on the stage together singing like that. As a matter of fact, we figured it was, it's been probably the last time that I've seen George, and he has seen me. And you know, we've talked a lot over the years. But the last time we actually saw each other was my middle brother Micah's funeral, March 5th, 2002. It's been that long since we actually were face-to-face in a room together. Uh, but we've kept up and we've talked, and, you know, I mean, you, you know how it is when you have a connection with somebody. Okay, and you might not see him forever, but when you see him, it's like, where you been, man? And you know what that is? That's from Jesus. Jesus gives us, Jesus gives us that, that connection. That's what we find in Jesus. And that's, you know, our life group, I am totally off what I was going to talk about right now. Our life group last Sunday, you know, we've been doing the, we've been following the Advent readings. We've been lighting the Advent candle uh, every, every week during our life group, and he read scripture, in fact, we're going to read that scripture here in just a minute from uh, John chapter 1, but we just moved into uh, the conversation of one of the great things about Jesus, and one of the great things about, about church is that you have people getting together that might not otherwise get together. You know what I'm saying? We come from all different backgrounds, okay? Now, some of you work together, Okay, some of you yeah, kind of run in, in those circles, but the great thing about the body of Christ is it calls people from all walks, from all backgrounds, from everywhere, and we come together, and while, you know, if, if we didn't know each other or if we didn't have this, we might not talk to one another, not because we're mean or rude, just because we might not interact because our jobs take us here and other obligations take us there. But what draws us together and what helps us, you know, and we, 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 we want to agree on things all the time. Lord knows we have different views of politics and all of that stuff, but there is one thing that we have in common, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's what binds us. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what draws us together. That's what, that's what, what binds us together. And so that's what we were talking about in our life group. And we've been talking about the coming Jesus, you know, the, the advent, his return 
during Advent that we think about not only the first coming of Jesus 2,000 years ago, but it's in Advent during the Christmas season that it causes us also to be aware of the second Advent, the return of, the return of Jesus. But today I want to talk about that, that first Advent for, for just a, a few minutes, and I want to, I want to do that by, by telling you a, a story. Uh, everybody loves a rags-to-riches story, right? Don't those just make you feel good? You got somebody who's just, just on, the, on the trash heap or beaten down by life, and they work hard, and they get people to help them, and they do well, and they find success, and they go from this, this having nothing to having everything. Everybody, you know, we, we like that story. We, we root for that story. That's kind of the, the hero. We love that story. What I'm going to tell you is not that. There was a guy named William Durant. William Durant was the co-founder of General Motors. And what gave him his claim to fame is that he had the idea, this was his idea, to sell multiple makes of vehicles under one heading. And so you got, you know, you have uh, 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 Buick and, and Cadillac and 11 un other vehicle makes under the name of, uh, of GM, okay? Now, who do you think his biggest competitor was? Now, this is, this is way back, this is way back years ago, turn of the century, uh, you know, early 1900s into the 20s. Who do you think his biggest competitor was back then? Henry Ford was his biggest competitor. And Henry Ford had a motto. He said, you can have the Model T in whatever color you want it in, as long as it's black. Okay? Whatever color you want the Model T in, you can have it as long as it's black. Well, uh, William Durant said, you know what? We're going to change this. Why do we just have to have black? Why can't we have red or blue or green or whatever? And so he started to paint his vehicles different colors, and people had options. People had choices, and he used his, his business savvy, and he created this, 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 this empire. Uh, and, and not only did he do that, he targeted his vehicles to people of all kinds of, of incomes. People that had a lot, he had a vehicle for them. People that couldn't afford much, you know, like, like families that didn't have a lot and, you know, just kind of wage workers. He created vehicles that they could afford as well. And in the process, William Durant made millions and millions of dollars. He also made millions and millions of dollars for others. Well, then, uh, by the 1920s, he was a major player on Wall Street. But in 29, what happened? The crash, known as Black Tuesday. William Durant, along with the Rockefellers and some others, they started buying up shares to show public support of the market, to show public support of, of the economy, and it turned out that that was a, a financial disaster, an absolute financial disaster, and by 1936, William Durant, the co-founder of General Motors, was absolutely bankrupt. In 1942, he suffered a stroke. He ended up living penniless 
managing a bowling alley until his death in 1947. He died not being able to afford a vehicle that he helped to create. That's a sad story, isn't it? That, that, my friends, is a riches to rags story. That's a riches to rags story. And we don't like those kinds of stories. Because those are all too real, aren't they? Some of us have experienced maybe some things like that. Maybe not on that level. But we know what it is to, to lose things. I mean, you think about what it was like just, just a few years ago in our economy. How many people lost money? How many people lost things that they had stored up for years? How many people went from riches to rags in that, 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 that economic environment? And, and fortunately, you know, some things are, are starting to turn around a little bit, but we don't like to hear, we don't like to hear stories like that. We don't like to hear stories of, of, of someone who has just been successful and then, then losing everything because they're, they're painful. They remind us that we live in an imperfect world, that we live in a, a, a broken world. But what I want to tell you this morning is that the greatest story that was ever told is just like that. It is a riches to rags story. And it's the story of Jesus. It's the story of, 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 of Jesus Christ. In uh, 2 Corinthians 8, you don't have to turn if you don't want to, it's just one verse. 2 Corinthians 8, there, um, Paul is talking about the, the collection. He's telling them to go ahead and, and, and make this collection. It's a good thing. I don't know how Tim encouraged us just a few minutes ago. And in uh, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, Paul writes this. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Although He was rich, for your sake He became poor, so that by His poverty you might become rich. That's a powerful verse right there, isn't it? Jesus Christ, who was rich. I mean, He is Jesus. He is God's Son. He is the second person in the Trinity. He's there helping God bring creation into existence. He has all the riches of heaven, yet what happened? We messed it all up. We messed it up by sin. And when it got messed up, we had a problem. Because we found ourselves separated from God. And we needed somebody to step in and bring us back because we can't do it ourselves. We can't live right enough. We can't do enough good things. We can't give enough money. We can't go to enough church services. We can't serve enough uh, homeless people or poor or whatever it might be. All of those things are incredible, but none of those things will save us. The only thing that saves us is Jesus Christ. The only thing that saves us is Jesus Christ. And so God is looking down and He sees that His people have a problem. And I don't, I don't know how the conversation went. I don't know how it went in heaven. I don't know. 
But Jesus left heaven. All the glory. You know, we sing about streets of gold and all of that. And, you know, I think that's probably some figurative language. But it's given us an idea of what heaven is like, that it's beautiful. It's beyond what, what we can imagine ourselves. And Jesus, he, he left the riches of heaven for our sake. And he became poor. Now then, I, I don't know about you, uh, but I like to write in my Bible. I like to underline things. I like to highlight. And if you like to do that, man, that is a verse to do right there. To remind ourselves always, always, that Jesus, Jesus lived a true riches to rags story. You know why? So we can have a rags to riches story. So we can have a rags to riches story. He left heaven. He gave up all of that. He united himself with mankind. He took on a human body. Can you imagine what that must have been like to take on a human body after living in perfection? What do we know about human bodies? They break down. They die. They hurt. They hunger. They thirst. They grow weary. And he stepped into that. He stepped into to one of these. There's an old song that says he came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. That's the message of Jesus right there. And that's what, that's what, what he did. He, when he left those, those, those riches of heaven and took on the rags of of earth he became poor Paul would write to the Philippians and he would say that Jesus emptied himself he emptied himself and he, he took on a body of, of flesh and blood John would write about this and he would say the word became flesh and he took up residence among us, and we observed his glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father. Eugene Peterson translates that verse like this. He says, the Word, the Word is always, when you see Word, capital W, it's always talking about Jesus. And he says, the Word became flesh and blood, and he moved into the neighborhood. Get it? He moved in among us. He moved in where, where we are, in, in the midst of all of our sin, in the midst of all of our trash and our failures and our garbage and our gossip and our lies and our cheating. And our... He moved in into that. Most people try to move out of that, but Jesus moved into that. He moved into it to, to save us. He says, we saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like Father, like Son, generous inside and out, true from, from start to finish. He left the riches of heaven 
for the rags of earth so that he can bring resurrection life. And what he does for us is through his death and his burial and his resurrection, Jesus exchanges our death rags for the royal riches of heaven. When we understand that, when we grasp that, we can stop being afraid. We can stop being afraid of, of death, of dying, of disease, of all those things. We know those things are going to happen. We know that every single one of us are going to die. All of us. Every person is going to die. We're not getting out of here alive. We're not getting out of here alive. None of us are getting out of here alive. When we align ourselves with Jesus, when we let Him change out the, the, the dirty death rags that we wear for the eternal robes of, of heaven, when we recognize that He does that, we don't have to live in fear anymore. Okay? Should, should something befall us, it's okay. Okay? Should one of us be out in the mall and someone come in there with a gun and start mowing everybody over, if we're with Jesus, we're okay. We don't have to live in fear. Should we die in a car wreck? We don't have to worry about it. Yes, we'll miss you, and you'll miss me, but guess what? We're okay because we're with Jesus. When you die and you, you mess up, and, you know, and I've said this a lot. I don't know if I've said this to you or not, but I've said it when I go out and speak and I talk about my brothers. You know, they, they, died, they died doing one of the dumbest things ever. They both died overdosing on heroin. But they both knew Jesus. See, the thing is, all of us, you know, and, and, and I had people tell me this, I, I, I had people tell me this, well, they didn't make it. They didn't make it to heaven. How do you know that? Are you God? Here's the thing. Every single one of us is going to that. We, we're, we're in agreement. None of us are making it out of here alive, right? None of us are making it out of here alive. And also, here's the other thing. None of us are going to make it out of here sinless more than likely. Probably every single one of us is going to die with some sin that we didn't confess, chose not to confess, or forgot to confess, or maybe didn't even realize we committed. All of us are going to die with some sin. What matters at death is not perfection, it's whose hand you're holding on to when you die. That's, that's what matters. And they were holding on to the hands of Jesus. I know that. I know. I talked to Matt about that. He told me about his faith less than 24 hours before the coroner pronounced him dead. He said, my faith is the only thing that is sustaining me. Micah was with these guys. On the road with straight company. And they had an off weekend. And he went home and made a dumb choice. But he didn't stop believing in Jesus. Well, you say there's too much grace in the race. Too much grace in the race. And I'm thankful for that grace. 
because it's uh, because Jesus left the riches of of heaven and and took on the rags of of earth. We don't have to fear death. It's what George and I were, were talking about last night. I've said this here, but it's been a long time ago. When, when we grasp resurrection, when we grasp Jesus, when we grasp salvation and grace and, and all of those things, death does not become a fear for us. Okay, Paul wrote about it. Remember, remember how we've talked about how Paul mocked death in, in 1 Corinthians 15? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Where is your victory? Where is your sting? You don't have those things. You don't have a victory. You don't have a sting because Jesus, Jesus arose and he conquered death. He defeated death. Okay, So that's why we can live without fear. But here's the thing. We're going to die. We're not getting out of here alive. Death, death is just the coat room that we have to pass through in order to get to the party. You see what it is? What is there is better than what is here. We don't know a lot about it, but we know that it's going to be better than here. There's not going to be night. There's not going to be death. There's not going to be hunger. There's not going to be sickness. There's not going to be pain or suffering. It's the place where God wipes away all the tears from every eye. It is the place where we come back in contact again to the tree of life. It is the place where the gates are never shut. How many of you locked your doors when you left to come here this morning? How many of you locked your doors before you go to bed at night? In heaven, the gates are never shut. You know why? Because there is no evil, there is no suffering, there is no pain, there is no thief trying to break in and kill and steal and destroy. Because he's already been defeated, he's been thrown into the lake of fire. When we grasp that, then we are able to then greet death as a friend. Because it's that friend that, that what we have to pass through to get to God. It's the coat room we pass through to get to the party, to the, to the celebration. What's straight company saying? Death ain't no big deal. Death ain't no big deal. Because we have Jesus. Death is no big deal because Jesus left the riches of heaven. He emptied himself. He took on the form, the nature, the being, whatever you want to say, of a, of a servant. The word is actually slave. It is doulos. Slave, isn't it? That's what the word is. He became a slave. so that we can be freed from our slavery of sin. So that we can go home. So that we can be freed for all of eternity and be just what, just what Paul said in, in, in Romans 8, 17. We then become co-heirs with Christ. You hear that? Where Jesus was came and has gone back, he's an heir, and 
Because we give our lives to Jesus, we, we're not just like get to go there and we're the neighbor who lives down the street. We are part of the inheritance. We are, those of us who give our lives to Jesus, we are the co-heirs of the inheritance. We receive that spirit of, of sonship, of, of daughtership that allows us to not approach God as God, you're so distant, you're so out there, too glorious, I have to just call you Father, but he says you can call him Abba. Abba is not Holy Father, it's not Mighty God, it's not Elohim. Abba is exactly what my boys call me, Daddy. tough to have a relationship you know I, I would feel I would wonder what my relationship is with my boys if I demanded that they call me father now I am their father but I would wonder and, and people would wonder what my relationship to my boys is if I demanded that they address me as father but when you hear someone call daddy you know what that is that's a relationship meaning that's more than just a surface level daddy is is intimate personal because jesus left the riches of heaven for the rags of earth we have that we become co-heirs we leave the rags of earth for the riches for the riches of heaven but here's the thing so many people Choose differently. And I can't understand why. I mean, I, I understand it on an academic level. But I, I, I just, I, I can't understand. I mean, our story is, is, is like this. I mean, we are spiritually bankrupt, wearing the corrupt rags of the world. Jesus comes in and offers us the riches of heaven. All we have to do is choose the riches, but yet so many people, they don't choose the riches, they choose the death rags. They choose to stay in those things. You see, but when you choose Jesus, you choose the riches of heaven. When you choose a life without Jesus, you choose, you choose those rags. When you choose sin, you choose rags. Some of us prefer the old way, even though we've been given the new way. There are people that prefer to put the death rags back on. Take those things off and leave them. Leave them at the foot of the, the cross. When you choose life with Jesus, you choose the eternal riches of heaven. What other option is there really? That's that's the message the world, the world. That's the message Thomasville, Georgia needs to hear. That's why we do what we do. That's why about once a month we shut our building down on Wednesday nights and we go outside the walls. Because this story is, is too good to keep to ourselves. And how arrogant, how selfish would we be 
to keep it to ourselves or claim that it's only for us. It's for everybody. And we must take it to everybody, regardless of their background, socioeconomic status. Jesus died for every single person, including Islamic terrorists. Jesus died for them. Don't choose Don't choose the rags of earth. Choose Jesus and let him change out those death rags for the robes of life. We can help you. We can pray for you. If you need to be baptized in the Jesus name today, you can do that. If you're putting those old rags back on, you can take them off and you can leave them at the foot of the cross. But don't go away wearing those dirty old things. Be changed out, be created new. If we can help you, why don't you come while we stand and sing?